Ranked choice voting works. It costs less than holding runoff elections. And studies show it's popular with voters and reduces negative attacks. That's why cities and states are looking to ranked choice voting to improve their elections. Would ranked choice voting help in your community? Find out more at fairvote.org. Waymo TV is filmed for a live studio audience being held against their will. Well, ranked choice voting. What is it? Why is it important? We got the man, the myth, the legend, Rob Ritchie in here today from fairvote.org to tell us exactly why it is that we should be caring about the thing that I just brought up. Also, Hot Dog Soup, super tight band, in the studio today. Might have time for him. Let's head on over to the George Carlin Podcast studio to meet up with our host, Mr. BJ Mendelson. Welcome to another edition of Labo TV. Rob, thank you so kindly for joining us. Would, would you be... I'm saying kindly a lot today. Would you be so kind as to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're working on? Well, I, in a kind spirit, will uh, as say that uh, I am president and CEO of Fair Vote. And uh, as that name suggests, we care a lot about how we vote and how we count the votes and how we count the votes in a way that is really fair for people and fair for all of us. And um, the... Uh, work we've done is, is I've been running fair vote for 30 years now and um, look how great our democracy is. So, so <laughs> clearly, clearly I've been exceptionally successful, but I think we have done a really good job at taking some big ideas that a lot of people didn't think could, could uh, you know, change this sort of Titanic of our democracy and actually make some shifts. And we are particularly well known for the idea of instant runoff voting or ranked choice voting, which is now used in more than 50 cities and a couple of states in, in, in the United States and uh, proportional voting and change of winner take all elections, the national popular vote plan for the electoral college, essentially thinking about ways we can look at our structures um, and, and rules and in the spirit, we believe of our founders to say, wait a second, um, are we doing this in the way that really is best and, can we make our union more perfect? And that's what Fairvote's trying to trying to work on. Yeah, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of what Carl Sagan once said. Uh, you're not able to see the entire picture. You know, each generation gets these like little little glimpses, and, and you guys have been out there just chipping away, chipping away. And I think we're starting to see a lot of the progress. I mean, in the news right now, at the time that we're recording this, is what is what happened up in Alaska for Don Young's uh, vacancy, and you know, them using ranked choice voting. Uh, for the first, I mean, yo, know, we have it in New York City, but this is the first time that I, I feel like it's gotten a lot of national attention. And, and so, I'm curious to just to hear your thoughts about that. Like, what what took so long for us to start to pay attention to this? Yeah, essentially, you know, I started half my life ago, and um, I think if I looked at where we are now, when I started this work, when I was 29, I'd be appalled that it's taken so long because these a lot of these ideas seem so compelling and vibrant and possible. Um, but if I looked at where we were 10 years ago, I'd actually be really excited and pleased at how much progress that we've made. Because I, what I learned in those first 20 years is that you can make a lot of progress, but we're such a big country. There's a lot of uh, ways that change is kind of cushioned and, and challenged to be, to be uh, kind of accelerate. Um, and with the idea of ranked voting, which is very simple for what the voter does differently, right? You, you get to Instead of just be limited to pick one, you get to say, here's my first choice, here's my second choice, here's my third choice, something that voters are very intuitively ready to do and so often makes sense whenever we have more than two choices. Um, and yet, um, with the kind of the institutional inertia of our voting equipment and 
and election officials caution and elected officials not necessarily jumping to change the rules, but elected them. It's very easy for some player to put a break on the change. And so what started to happen, though, is is there sort of some grease got in the system and it started to move and it started to be looked at and you and 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 it just began to accelerate, really. And particularly these last five years, we've just seen, you know, the number of cities using it has has about tripled now two states um, and really a national conversation going on. And 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 I think we're at that point where it's credible to say, oh, maybe seven, eight, nine states might use it for presidential primaries or, you know, uh, we could go from 50 cities doing it to 500 cities in the next three or four years. Right. What was the first domino to fall? Like, what would, do you remember what the first city was that adapted it? The first city that had passed it was one we put a lot of time into, San Francisco, uh, way back in 2002, so 20 years ago now. And um, they had a, a vote on another kind of ranked choice voting, the, the proportional version back in 1996. That lost by about 10 points, um, but it's triggered a conversation um, a lot of the, the reasons why cities move it are very practical. San Francisco, uh, like a lot of cities, had two rounds of election to, to kind of elect a seat. They had a runoff election and they had it in December, in the middle of the holidays. And it's like, come on, can we just do this in, in, in one round? I think what helped a lot of people uh, think about it was the 2000 presidential elections. Um, and I cite these things as if they're just like yesterday, but uh, for <laughs> yeah. some people they're not. But that was when Ralph Nader ran for president and you had... Uh, Al Gore and George Bush. And a lot of people said, Oh my gosh, Ralph, you might be splitting the vote and you might cost the election. And sure enough, you know, uh, uh, Florida, you know, was decided by just a, a, a fingernail of votes and, and the, the Nader vote was much bigger. And it's like, well, if you hadn't run, maybe it would have been different. And, and, and ranked choice voting kind of was like such a straightforward solution to that issue of, of a third party candidate running. So then you took a, an issue that intuitively made like people kind of got it. And then they could apply it to something like, well, is a runoff election really the best thing here or can we done it in, um, in uh, one round? So then we had like a whole string of successes in, in the aughts. And then there was a really interesting um, way that uh, change can be slowed because we had a couple cities had sort of bumpy implementations the first time. When you're like changing something, you know, the, the voting equipment might not be ready. You know, they're slower doing the count. It might make a mistake. And we had a couple of cities that had voted for it, decided not to keep it. And, and so it's like all of the other cities that we're thinking about, it's like, whoa, why did Aspen, Colorado stop using ranked choice voting? You know, it was like this town of like, you know, 3000 voters, but um, that kind of change, like kind of put a, put a brakes on it. And then we had to get through that and then get a lot more cities starting to do it. And then we've really been on a string where, you know, there's been no, direct setbacks like that. And I think, you know, it's it's not perfect in the sense of well, the progression isn't always linear, but there is, I think, a really good sense that this can keep moving and it's making a difference. And, you know, we, we, we've answered most of the questions people have about it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's so important, right? Like, I mean, the, the first thing they teach you in direct marketing is, you know, eliminate all the barriers. Tired of being tracked online? DuckDuckGo could help. Tracking is a comprehensive program. Trackers lurk nearly everywhere online for websites, emails, and even apps in your phone. That means you need a multi-pronged solution. DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracking, blocking, encryption, and now email protection built in. It's the free, easy button for online privacy. Download the app today, DuckDuckGo. 
Privacy Simplified. Hey there, boys and girls. It's your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman here, inviting you to invite me into your ear holes five days a week with my podcast, The Ralph Report. Join me, Eddie Pence, Steve Ashton, and the rest of the happy lunatics that make up the Garmy for as little as 15 cents a day. And for that, you get five shows a week filled with music and jokes and news and history and just so much good stuff that you're going to be glad you chose The Ralph Report. How do you listen? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up today. There's four amazing levels of subscription that you can join, each one with their own special bunch of benefits. So check it out. Listen to me, Ralph Garman, on The Ralph Report. Patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. Yeah, I'm fascinated by... You know, I, I'm thinking about Nixon and Kennedy in that it was a close election and we still had TV, but we didn't quite have the internet the way that, that we have it now. And I feel like the internet has really been kind of a boon for ranked choice voting because when we had Bush v. Gore, we, we had not, not as heavily trafficked as we have now, but we had the beginnings of what we see today and people were much more aware of things going on. And so I'm curious what, was that the moment for you? Like, I'm curious about what the moment was for you where you said, at 29, this is the thing that I'm uh, going to be. Yeah, well, for me, it was, essentially, I spent a lot of the 80s kind of like saying, how how can this young man make a difference? I, I was actually an early, um, you know, concerned person about climate and things like that. I actually did a whole issue of a, of a, of a, of a newsletter about that in 1990. And, and a sense of, you know, ecosystem peril and, you know, and, and government needs to be enlisted in confronting such an immense global challenge. And, and, you know, why can't we even talk about it, right? Like, what is it about our politics that makes it hard to talk about the problems of tomorrow? And, and, and I worked some in politics. My, 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 my uh, wife uh, sort of brought me into that world and worked on some campaigns. And I realized, gosh, this is really exciting. You get to talk to everybody but you're not talking about as much as you could, right? And, 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 and so I said, well, this could be the lever to could really change conversations about hard problems. And it's, it's not like it really directs you to just one part of the spectrum or not, but it does, if, if we can have proportional voting, ranked voting systems where we all get to vote, it really allows an opportunity for a wider community conversation about those big things that includes the, the challenges, not just the easy things that are winner take all, like a system where you only win if you get the most votes really can kind of suppress important conversations. And so anyway, that's how I kind of got started. Ranked voting was uh, just the straightforward solution to what do you do when you have a third candidate running when the system built for two? And that just keeps happening. We have this cycle, like someone runs and people call them a spoiler and they say that shouldn't happen. And then they don't do anything to, to stop it. The next time it's like, right. Oh my gosh, we didn't do anything. And then another third party candidate ran. I can't believe it. Right. And, and so it's kind of like, let's get out of the cycle. Let's get ahead of the problem. And, and so I think that's, that's, uh, that's been a big part of it. And then I think, you know, what's happened more recently is the major parties are such a degree of deadlock and polarization. And a lot of just people feel, feel kind of left out of that choice and they feel that we need something, some positive incentive to, to help people kind of address things together. And, um, doesn't mean that 
everyone has to be a mushy centrist. It's just like, can we have incentives for actually doing things where we're trying to solve problems, not just sort of talk about them and create them? And I think uh, there's these these reform proposals really speak to that as well. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out that the winner-take-all system is not something that's been around since the 1700s. That was something that we've had since the late 60s. So it's not, you know, that's not, it's always been that way. There, there are yes. different ways to do this. And so I, I you know, you know, I found that out through you. It was through your website where I first, and, you know, I'm an American history major, and I did not know that. And so I was really surprised. Did that, when you learned about that, was that surprising to you? It was. I mean, it's really easy to think that whatever you've done as a country or whatever you've been reading about the last generation just like must go back to James Madison putting it up on a, you know, like a, like a column as like, this is how we'll do things. And in fact, about voting, the, the constitutional framers very intentionally didn't put things in the constitution about it. They actually said you have to have elections for the house. So no one has ever served in the U.S. house without being elected. But how? And, and what the rules are and things that's, that's left up to us, to each, each generation. And, and, and if you look at the history of how things have expanded, it's, it's really changed a lot, right? The idea of primary elections. We didn't have primary elections for most of our history. The idea of a paper ballot printed by the government and an, an official ballot that was like started in the late 1800s. Before that, you brought your own piece of paper. And, and, and your own candidate names that someone often handed to you and said, hey, here's some good people to vote for, you know, and um, voter registration and, and then these rules of what you run in and the idea of the single member district where only one person represents each, each area. You know, as recently as the 50s, um, more than 40 states had multi-member districts for the state legislature with more than one person representing you and majority systems, you know, non-majority systems, all these conversations have happened. And then there tends to be this readiness to just think, oh, we, sh- we shouldn't mess with what the founders did. And this is the irony. The founders wanted us <laughs> to be constantly thinking about this and making sure that we had it right. And I think it's so important that, that you stress this because I think one of the tactics that, that Lincoln found that worked for him, right, was going back and looking at the context of the founders and how they put together the Constitution. And then that's sort of what, how he laid the groundwork for his arguments. And we've seen that throughout American history, that it's, it always goes back to who seems to be able to best frame the, the founders. Mm-hmm. And what I appreciate is that you, you've taken like an, this is an accurate, much needed breath of fresh air, right? Like this is, there's no, um, there's no like gross interpretation here, right? Like this is really what they wanted. And so yes. do you, do you find that you have to battle against this constantly of, we have this version of the framers versus the version that, that you and I are talking about here. And, and you have to explain to them that this is how they thought about elections as opposed to some other myth. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I think because it's also true, and this is, you know, the world is complex and certainly so sure. were the framers, is um, they weren't all excited about democracy and elections the way we might today. And suffrage was incredibly limited, you know, to, to what it is today. And so there's like a narrative about the framers of almost sort of like anti-democracy and, you know, anti-elections. But in fact, it was much more complicated. They really saw a very important role for elections and a very important role for democracy, which I would argue that the way they set up the Constitution, the U.S. House is the most important branch of government. It's, you know, gets to declare war. It initiates whether... Um, you know, the budgets and, and, and taxes and um, triggers impeachment and, you know, a lot of things the House should be doing. And 
it should be represented. It's the people's house. It's elected every two years, which was a big deal in itself, like constant, you know, uh, a barometer of what the people think. And they all have to be elected, right? Like that, that was, that, that, that was important. And the method of election wasn't specified. So that idea that suffrage would expand, rules would change was sort of baked in. Um, and yeah, and I think people, um, you know, they, they kind of rationalize their own, uh, defensiveness about our current system by just saying, well, you think you're smarter than the founders, but, but, but in fact, that's, you know, that is a narrative that we very effectively can address. This is Rosie Tran from Rosie and BJ Save the World, a podcast asking big questions and discussing how to solve these big issues. This is a podcast for people just like you who ask, has the war on drugs been successful? Do we need universal basic income? Should we legalize sex work? Go to rosieandbjsavetheworld.com to get more confused. Do you want to grow your audience without sacrificing your privacy? Then the Stupid Sexy Privacy miniseries is just for you. It's a short, special presentation that will run every Thursday morning right here on weiwo.tv for the next 23 weeks. In each short episode, we'll teach you how to preserve as much of your privacy as possible while still participating in the creator economy. You'll also hear from top privacy and disinformation experts who will teach you how to protect yourself from fascists and weirdos. And who doesn't want that? So make sure you're subscribed to weiwo.tv where all podcasts can be found and we'll see you every Thursday morning for a special presentation of Stupid Sexy Privacy, a weiwo.tv miniseries. Yo, George Washington died not knowing dinosaurs existed. So <laughs> I mean, like, that's a fact. Dinosaurs yeah, yeah. Were, were not discovered until the 1840s. Uh, he died in... Yeah. So, uh, and there was the whole slavery thing. Yeah, yeah know, of course. Like, yeah, yes. You know, there there were things that we have gotten, we've improved upon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think that that's that's so important to highlight is that this this experiment, right? This grand experiment in democracy is all, has been about incremental improvements, and we change that hasn't come as fast as we'd like, but but has come because of people like you constantly chipping away. Uh, let me. I want to ask you about the legislation that you're pushing for in Congress. Mm-hmm. And uh, just if you could explain to people listening, like what that would do on a like on a larger federal scale. Yeah. So this, so the ranked choice ballot, just to kind of briefly remind people about that, is so it's a ballot where we talked about earlier. You know, rather than just pick one, you, you get to rank candidates in order of choice. So you're being able to to have more than two candidates run and have more to say. It's it's up to you. You don't have to rank more than one, but if you do you're providing valuable information that might uh, help us get a more representative winner. So, you know, your, your ballot goes all in for your first choice, but if your first choice happens to be in last place, you know, and you count up the ballots and that person's in last place, then that candidate is out of the running and your ballot just goes to your second choice. And it just allows your ballot to keep counting. Even if your first choice it, it isn't strong, it's not, it's still one person, one vote in every round of election. It's, it's, it's only one ballot, only one vote of yours is counting, but it's opening choice. So the another piece of what we'd like to see is sort of taking the same concept to who represents us. So as I mentioned earlier, more than one person has often represented us at a local or state level and sometimes in a congressional level before Congress did mandate the single member district system. So the idea of having only one House member, very people are, you know, kind of 
have heard a lot about that. And that seems like just like the way it should happen. But what that means is that one person is supposed to represent a lot of different people who have different views and you're kind of stuck with them because they're often there for like 30 years or something like that. Right. right? And in New York city is a great example. You know, you've got two, these two heavyweights like going at each other right now in the primary and they've both been there for like decades. And, and it's like, okay, maybe they're good, but you know, should we sometimes have some change and, reflection of, 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 of the fact that we don't all think the same way. And so if you have more than one representative, you're kind of opening up, you're expanding possibilities. So you put them together, ranked choice voting and multi-member districts. That's what's in this bill called the Fair Representation Act, which has been put in as a statutory change. This is all going to be done without changing the constitution. This is going to be done within the constitution that every state has a certain number of seats. And by the way, that is, that's based on statute too. Like how many seats we have is, is been 435 for a century, but it never was regularly 435 up until then. And, um, but let's just keep that as, as, as it is for the moment. And, and, and then you, um, you, you have bigger districts with more than one representative. You get to rank the candidates within them. And then you can count the ballots. And this is a widely used system. It's a way that ranked choice voting can be used. It's on the ballot this November in Portland, Oregon, and is uh, kind of the way they vote in, in, in several countries now. And you rank them. And the goal is to have as many people as possible help elect one person to represent them. That's what we're seeking, a representative democracy. So if you have like four people representing you, each person can win with about a quarter of the vote, roughly. So it's like quarter, quarter, you know, so 50% will win two, 75% will win three. And, and, and that change essentially opens up the entire political map to both major parties being able to participate. Some differences within the major parties being able to be kind of represented at the same time. And for third parties, because of rangers voting, they're never splitting the vote and they're uh, contributing new ideas. And if the major parties are not responsive, actually being able to, to, to get in and win a seat. Um, so that's a, a form of proportional voting. It's a candidate-based system because you are ranking candidates. Um, and that um, really would have sort of dramatic impact on a whole series of dimensions and is our kind of goal for the decade. You know, like that's the system that we think can really get to the core of a lot of what's not working in D.C. and what's not working for voters. And so, yeah, the Fair, Fair Representation Act is, is, is our kind of uh, uh, North Star proposal. Yeah. And so tell me, I mean, I mean, I think I know what, what the answer would be, but for people listening, how can they help and what can they do to participate and get this passed? Well, it is a statutory change. It is a new idea um, to a lot of Americans, even though it has a lot of history in both in this country and uh, kind of around the world. Um, so I think there's an educational component and that's what Fairboat's trying to, to help build awareness and understanding. There's an engagement component with members of Congress. Members of Congress can sign on to the bill. You know, we have eight or nine on the bill right now. Um, and, um, and whenever there's like a challenge, like, like here's a, here's a, a really direct connection is that redistricting, gerrymandering, like how, how we draw districts in that manipulative process where, you know, the, the fox is guarding the hen house and drawing districts to kind of engineer outcomes that, um, is tied to having only one person represent you. That's tied to the winner-take-all system. And whenever when someone talking about gerrymandering, it almost should be like a little light bulb because, you know what? We don't have to have single-member districts. We could do this Fair Representation Act because a lot of people are really sold on that as a problem. And this is such a comprehensive, good solution to it. 
Um, so I think it's both, you know, those, those daily conversations matter. The, uh, talking about it in any like a school setting or, or, or so on. And then to the next level of actually getting, you know, major organizations to start prioritizing it and so on. And it is change is something, particularly at this level, you kind of have to almost get everyone in, in a big circle and everyone says like, Hey, you're in, Oh, you're in, and you're in also, Hey, we're all in. And then, you know, like the sense of possibility changes a lot, but if people feel alone, it's like, I'm just alone here. I can't get anything done. Right. So, so I, so, so I think we have to, you know, there is a collective spirit action that we need to try to try to develop. Yeah. It's human nature. No one, no one wants to stick their head out first. Right. Yes. <laughs> Cause there could, there could be danger, but if, if someone else has said it's okay, then we'll come out. Exactly. Uh, where, where can we find you? Where can we contact our state representatives? How do we, how do we? Yeah. Uh, so fair vote is at fairvote.org. We've got a, a fairvoteaction.org uh, uh, component that just works on trying to pass stuff. And there are things short of, so bringing ranked voting to your community, to your campus, to your organization is, is a really important step and something a lot of places are doing. We're actually up to about 100 colleges and universities using ranked voting. We've got the 50 cities that could be getting up to 500 um, conversations in states up to this level of Congress and the Fair Representation Act. And definitely FairVote.org isn't the only organization in, in the field, but we try to be a portal to connect with a good state group or someone else that you might want to work with in addition to us. I thought that was great. Um, let me change the subject just a little bit because it's the last question I ask everybody. Okay, sure. What's one thing you've always wanted to be asked in an interview that you just haven't been asked yet? <laughs> well, um, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about uh, what that might be. And um, you could ask me whether I've ever wanted to, uh, to write, to write fiction, to, 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 to be, to, to do something sort of creative. Yeah. And do you have a, do you have an answer to that question? Is that something you <laughs> I do. It's actually what I really wanted to do in, in high school. I actually left high school early to go to college because I was so like anxious to like try to get this play that I had written to kind of like before a really good professor and he just like shot it down big time. But, but it was, um, it's always been fun for me to think about, you know, writing a story, writing, writing a novel or writing a play that just kind of like took the passions I feel about the world and sort of like put it into like, you know, that creative format that, um, that really touched people. And cause I certainly can be touched by things that I read and see. And so, um, yeah, fair vote is this sort of, you know, can be sometimes seen as like a nerdy, you know, reform group that sure. is working on the voting rules and math and things. But there is a whole creative element to actually winning change. And it is something that uh, I'm still hoping that I can uh, take a little break sometime and try to try to delve into the creativity uh, that I, I hope is there. Well, that's our show. And uh, our, our apologies to the band. You know, we kind of just ran out of time. That's kind of the uh, that's the nature of things. That's the name of the game. Hey, hey, hey! Vaped Crusaders comes out on the twentieth of every month. The twentieth. You can't smoke that in here. Oh, wait. What day is it now? Do I look like a fucking calendar to you? Hey, man. I don't need all the attitude and stuff. You know, I don't. I don't need it. Well, I don't need your face your vape, or your... Are those Air Jordan 3 OGs? Yeah. Yes. Those are $4,500 sneakers. I know. They're pretty sweet. Yeah, they are. No. Wait. 
I don't like you. Don't make me like you. I'm not, man. I'm just out here. I'm just trying to relax, dude. I'm on you, pal. You're trying to do some Jedi mindfuck bullshit. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't I don't think that's what it's called. I don't think that's the thing. You want to play mind games with me, motherfucker? All right, let's dance. <sighs> Make sure to tune in to Vape Crusaders. New episodes are going to drop every month on the 20th, right here on Weibo.tv. Okay, your, your, your middle name is Macho, but uh, I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever, has a Macho Man ever cried? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. It's okay for Macho Men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times, I'm going to cry some more, but... I've soared with the eagles, and I've slithered with the snakes, and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life, and that there are no guarantees, yeah. And I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy, so if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up, and fight again. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, please take a minute and leave us a review. Yes, we know you're busy and every podcast asks you to do this, but there's a good reason they do. Because every time you leave a review, that review helps more people find and listen to the show. And you know what that means for you? More great episodes of Weiwo.tv. So what are you waiting for? Take out your phone and leave us a review right now before you move on to something else and forget about us. And we'll see you next time, right?